from Sydney Media in Melbourne. You're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast all about neurodiversity. Right, hello. Welcome to Great Minds Don't Think Alike for 2016. This is our first episode. I'm here with, uh, you're here with Cal. And I'm Christian, of course. You probably recognise my voice from last year. In fact, you probably recognise our voices from last year. Yes, we are back with a lot of love to share with you all. We're happy to report that after our... Um, do you remember our Christmas special, don't you, at the end of last year? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, we hope you took uh, our uh, neurodiverse tips on board, and uh, we certainly took ours on board. I, I had a quite a nice Christmas. Did you end up having a, a nice one, despite the all the family um, intricacies that you mentioned late last year? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, what's it called? I... Most of half of my family lives inside Perth, so it's almost like going to another world. And mm. I didn't actually realize that until like it's sort of like separated from my life here in Melbourne. So it's mm. it, it's it's a good coping mechanism to say, yeah, that happened to Perth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> if anything goes wrong, anyway, and usually things don't go wrong. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, I had, I had a nice quiet one. So um, mine was actually devoid of all of um, the family politics. Mm. Politics. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Keeping up appearances. Yeah, it is politics, basically. Politics. Speaking of politics, that is what we're going to be doing um, on this episode, the very first one of the year. We're going to be talking about um, Hillary Clinton's uh, announced, proposed plan for, well, it's a number of things to do with autism. So it's early intervention and screening, but, um, but also what you'll be happy to hear at least being mentioned um is adults with autism. So uh, aspects of a plan that also are about moving towards independence, not being institutionalized, or um, directly linking them up with employment and making sure that they continue to be supported beyond the first 21 years of their life. So that's interesting. And then later on we'll be hearing from Nicola about... Uh, Caden Clark. Yes, um, the uh, the 24-year-old transgender man identifying with Asperger's, who was... It, it was um, it was shot during a meltdown. Yes, so, recently. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, um, Nic- Nicola will dissect that. Yeah, I think we need a break from talking about tragedies in the neurodiversity sphere. Yeah. We did a lot of that late last year, unfortunately. But it looks like, well, Hillary Clinton's plan is what we'll be talking about right now mm. on Great Minds Don't Think Alike. And I would argue that, um, at the very least, this proposal could not make things worse. I can't really see a way that it could do that. Oh. <laughs> it could have no effect. It could um, have no effect. <laughs> that, that's, that's the worst we're talking about. Um, which, at the moment, I will... At the moment, that's, that's sort of the... It's the best that we've gotten in a while, let's be honest. Uh, um, well, yeah. Someone I... in power does something for autistic people that has no effect is a pretty good headline um, considering how low the standards have been in the last few months. Yeah, that's, mm. that is that is kind of depressing. But mm. again, I'm opposed to Hillary Clinton even running for office at this point because, and, and this is not because of her plan. I, I support her plan. That's fine. It's just I don't believe her. And the reason why that is is because she's been proven to lie into the past and she keeps constantly lying and mm. I just, it doesn't matter what she says at this point. I just don't believe what she says. And that's a problem. Even if she says something 
completely fine. Like this plan, this plan's okay. I do have some problems with it. Oh, well, what are those? Um, for example, she wants to. Uh, well, I can see problems with it. Me not having personally the problem with it, it's just that the way that she's uh, set it out is that Dave, you will run into obstacles. For example, she wants to be able to know every single autistic people person inside the, the US. That is that she wants to get everybody screened and then know everybody who 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 suffers from the autism spectrum disorder. And I say suffer with asterisk. Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, yeah, so, suffer is the language that's it's, used it's, following it's, this It's the model. suffix so, that's, that, that's used and it only applies to at least, it applies to at least two-thirds of the cases, but one-third it just doesn't. Um, well, I mean, that's that's a whole separate thing because there's quite a few people who like belong might belong to that two thirds that like a call that um are called by other people who stand outside the spectrum of autism, quote unquote sufferers, but they themselves may well not identify as such. Yeah, well, so, again, that's yeah. I, again that's one of the problems that I have. For example, the DSM five when it came out in 2013, basically stated that they rolled all of the the categories of uh, autism spectrum disorder into one uh, coherent sort of um, diagnostic criteria and then basically said to clinicians, right, whatever symptoms that the person has, you can treat those. If they're having problems with communications, just treat that. And they treat it, they're treating it like a spectrum disorder, which is precisely what it is. They call it a continuum. Which is oh, fine. Continuum, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Continuum is an interesting neologism, though. But yeah, yeah. but the, the interesting thing is that uh, the diagnostic criteria changed slightly. Um, the person, in order for the person to be diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, they need to have had to display the symptoms at a uh, very young age. And um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, because I just, we, we, we just were looking at the diagnostic criteria from the DSM um, a little while ago and I, um, I do remember it saying something about it, it has to it, it's, it, it covers um, people whose symptoms are only or you know whose characteristics or whatever are, are recognised much later in their life after childhood so I, you know, I guess in this case it's probably namely um, girls on the spectrum or people with uh, people of different cultures where it, it's, it's going to per, it's it's not going to be as noticeable. It's going to present differently, or or in ways that people weren't aren't necessarily expecting it to appear. Yeah, I've just got to pull up the the the, the fact sheet for the DSM five here, and it says individuals with ASD must show symptoms from early childhood, even if they are not. Even if these symptoms are not recognized until, until later. later, and that's <laughs> that's <laughs> almost like a self contradictory statement. I can. I, I get what you're going at here, but yeah. Well, there's a difference between them showing symptoms and the symptoms actually being recognised. Yeah. And and it's true. I mean, you, you know, you, you look at the list. There's sort of, um, I guess, a good half of them are are all of the is all of the social stuff. So like, saying inappropriate. Well, is it saying inappropriate things, or or um, misreading social cues or or, or 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 stuff like that, which tends to be what uh, causes girls to get a late diagnosis because those aren't the symptoms that they will show. But then there's there's also recognisable signs in that, like um, obsessively sticking to routines and having these fixations and on the, the whole sensory motor uh, area of, of it as well. <sighs> Look, apart from the sensory motor stuff... Um, and the, and the sticking to the routine and the 
are and the and the fixations are obviously sort of very culturally defined as well because it depends what routine we're talking about if you and everyone around you is also obsessively sticking to this routine then that's not going to show up oh, so and if and I, I'm only speaking anecdotally <laughs> yeah. here, but psychologists tend to err towards the side of um, well, adjustment. That is, everything in moderation. So they probably they will probably view any obsession as unhealthy, even if said obsession is even it's a if it's a boy who's into f- like a you know like a white middle class boy who's obsessed with football. I mean, <laughs> yes, and no, hmm. but. Again, that's uh, the more uh, pressing issues of sort of like the the psychological establishments. Um, They kind of, they define all of these criteria and then put everybody into into boxes depending on what they, on what they present. You know, that being said, it's, it's, I, I have no sort of like objections to them saying you have a problem because that's sort of, that's more objective than than me telling me going, I don't have a problem at all. It, well, yeah, it, it it depends what they mean by that, I suppose. If 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 they're purely just telling you these are the areas where you're weak, these are the areas where you're strong, and they to how the rest of the population presents, I guess that's fine. But yeah, it, it depends. Well, I, well, I suppose the difference between you know someone telling you there are these problems especially if it's a child with a development, um, and saying, okay, so this is what's wrong with you. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got to present it in the right way. Anyway, going back to the policy, hmm. um, uh, I, 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 there is one part I absolutely love, and it says, work with the Department of Defense to ensure military families have full access to autism services through TRICARE. Slightly acknowledges that you know people with autism might go and join the military, which, again, and... This is sort of just like an argumental argument that I have. Uh, people with autism either uh, are either they're either one or zero with the military. They're either they're either hey I can deal with this immediately because it's routine and it's and I just get told what to do and it's fine, or they they have oppositional arguments to it, saying don't tell me what to do, which I guess is sort of part of the black and white thinking of of autism. But this kind of just acknowledges that, hey, we kind of do have people who have autism in the military. Don't tell anyone, though. Wink, wink. Um. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that, that, that is true. Um, and, and also that we have people with autism who grow up as well, who are, when they get past the age of 21, they're still autistic yeah. and still need to be connected with employment well, services. And uh, what, what, Yeah, what, what I also liked is the, the, like the, the responsibility, I think... It was basically presented as responsibilities of employers to, um, you know, well, first of all, it'll, it'll, it also mentioned that there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of skills there really to, to, to be used. There's a lot of either that love of routine or that attention to detail, that focus or you know, all, the, all the usual strengths of the spectrum that people tend to talk about. Yeah. Uh, most people, when they find out that an adult has autism, expects that all, all their symptoms have been treated, all of their problems have been uh, dealt with, and that they're kind of just feigning normality. And uh, this this entire policy kind of acknowledges, hey, there might be some problems, even if you're an adult with autism, which 
is 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 for me it's it that's really positive that being said like as i said this comes from the clinton campaign i don't believe her when she says anything and it's it's yeah hmm. but uh, but this but the interesting thing i guess here is that uh i, I mean if it is a lie it's a very it's a very it's unusual lie it's not that it's tell. a lie it's just that i know that everything she does is for a political gain rather than what, whether she actually believes in it or not. Um, well, yeah, but but I mean that's that's that still kind of makes it unusual because if it was for, I mean the the usual route that people go to you know, politicians, I, I well and yeah, any one any one position of power would go down if they were purely just doing it for political or economical gain is not to go down the adults with autism route. It's to, to go to the other end of the spectrum of of the age spectrum um, and to go down you know saving the children type of route well i would argue that this is very very politically astute from her because basically earlier into the campaign bernie sanders basically called her out and and bernie sanders is her top rival at this point because hillary clinton has has changed the way that she kind of self-identifies on the political spectrum and he basically said you're calling your pres- yourself a progressive now, and to the past you've called yourself moderate. Again, you haven't explained why you've changed, but you can't be both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of her going, hey, I'm progressive. Look at all my LBGT and autism LGBT. policies. Yes, <laughs> LGBT. The alphabet soup. Um, <laughs> um, ah, well, yeah. Uh, well, there's not many. But, um, but yes. Well, okay. Well, yeah, I can... I can I can see what you're saying there, but 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 I mean the thing is, even even if it is just her doing it for political gain, um, it's it's almost as though if the if this plan is even if this plan isn't going to be followed through all the way, it's at least like a good model I would say for anyone who does want to follow you know a, a, a good um autism support care a, um you know, awareness education employment plan. Uh, I, I would probably be a little bit harsher, mm. and that's just me because I'm a stoic. To suffer is to live, and to live is to, uh, to suffer is to learn. <laughs> um, but again, that's just me. That's just my particular. That's that's how I respond anyway. to things. Uh, there there are there are certain problems I have with it. For example, uh, the enacting of keeping all students safe basically says you can't put a restraint measure in to your. Uh, to your well, uh, the thing is, it it doesn't. It says I, you can only do that if there's an imminent physical threat to a student or to other students. Yeah, no, the, the way that at least I read it, and uh, is that you can't put it into a risk, a, a what's called a risk management strategy. And I know that at least last year we had all of these problems with um, uh, non-legal restraint measures. At least in very much the South Australia as well. We had children getting chopped in boxes and cages and all that other stuff. Uh, but at least I, I, I acknowledge that there is at least some point you get to where the kid is just like, you're a danger to yourself and to others. We need to do this. Yeah, um, and... That's where she said that, that. That's where she's proposed that um, you should be allowed to do it, but yeah. at no other time. Yes, and I don't. Th- it says it prevents these practices from being written into IEPs and planned interventions. Yeah, well, the, the I, difference between risk management plans, um, because that's you know ensuring the safety of everyone around there, and um, IEP that's 
uh, I'm pretty sure that's individual education plan. So that's specifically about you know about disciplining that particular child and about yeah yeah that's 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 you know like um, supporting them or um, or uh, in, in intervening and imp- um, you know getting their development back on track r- rather than. Okay, there's a crisis. We have to deal with it. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're two different, they're two different things. It's, 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 it's saying you can't say, well, okay, when little Johnny, you know, this is like this, this is this is what we do. Whenever little Johnny misbehaves, we throw him in the box, yeah. and, and, and oh, that'll teach him. That's obviously um, horrible. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what she means when. But if, if yeah, if, when she's saying don't put it in the um, individual education plan. Yeah, but as I said with DSM five, they they kind of combined everything in order to make. Yes, yes, the dealing, the coping strategy is more flexible. Hmm. Well, she's and saying, is, I mean, don't make it routine, and, basically. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> don't make it routine. But um, well, yeah, because that's the thing. At the moment, it is. At the moment, that's what sort of what teachers are told. Oh, if if you know, um, yeah, if, if he's acting up, wrong, just yeah. cane him. Um, so that's 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 what she means, really. Uh, it, well, yeah. As I said, I don't believe anything she says, and I tend to take everything she does say cynically. So mm. again, that might just be me. Well, I, I guess when um, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, let's let's ignore where this has come from for a second. Okay. And, yes. and purely just let's look not try ab- to poison the well. Yeah, exactly. And purely just look about what is what is being proposed. Okay. Um, I, I just reckon that it, yeah. uh, what's called that restraint, at least it, very very narrow cases, uh, when if you know a child is going to uh, is going to melt down. And when they melt down, that they harm themselves or others, it should become common practice for restraint to be issued inside that way. You, oh God, you you would have to be. I mean, you know, it would have to be only in extreme cases. It would have to be a last resort. Um, it's not something you'd have to be able to use lightly. And I I I can see sort of the line that needs to be needs to be drawn here. Um, because you know, as, as soon as something is in a plan, then people, people sort of it, it almost they, becomes they cheap. Go, yeah, they, they go yeah. back to the plan always, yeah. which is fine because that's what the plan's there for. Yeah, I mean, but they don't realise that this is actually an extreme measure for a really extreme case. Yeah, this is not something you just do as a precaution, <laughs> like a casual precaution, or it's it's not part of you know, standard day to day practice by any means. This is, you know, this this is this is crisis. Crisis mode talking. This is crisis management, yeah. which yeah. you know, which again, I uh, I don't, I don't want to hamstring um, anybody in terms of having to deal with the, uh, to deal with the symptoms. But I, at the same time, I don't want to be throwing kids into boxes. So there is, there is this, almost this knife edge you stand on, especially when you're dealing with restraint. Yeah, but I mean, no, not not really. In in in, in a way, it's. It's it's actually fairly simple. If you don't absolutely have to for the safety of um, the autistic child in question or the children around them, don't do it. If you don't absolutely have to. If there is another way, take that other way. Mm. Yeah, the mm. community supports for uh, individual transitioning to adulthood. So I do like this part of the plan, uh, except for the private-public par- partnerships thing. Usually that, that part... Uh, sinks into the water, but I do like everything else in here. That it basically uh, there's there are transition plans. There's an initiative to get people who are autistic into work, which is one of the biggest problems. It is when you look at the statistics, like unemployment is 
very, very high in the autism community. Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's, there's some kind of a pattern there. But, but yeah, I, it, is, it is something that, you know, employees, you have to realize that um, employing something, someone with autism, it's not like a charitable thing to do, and it certainly yeah. shouldn't be. It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually going to contribute to the success of your business, and it's actually in your interests to, em- well, it's, it's in the interest of your business to employ oh. anyone with the right skill. Well, anyone it, with the right skills, and, and anyone who's anyone who can work in that environment with with maybe with the right with the right supports in the case of autism. So, any, anyone who's fit to work and who has the right skills. Yeah. Well, or yeah. anyone who's fit to work in the environment that you give them. Yes, obviously, right which is most of the, which would be most of the problem because you know autistic people are very sensitive to environmental changes, and if you suddenly change their routine up on them even slightly, they'll just go, why are you changing it? For some, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's, it's a meeting halfway, really. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, it's it's the... Yeah, with, with their, their therapy, or they, 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 they have to work at being, you know, a little bit more, at least a little bit more adaptable to changes in the routine that... Uh, I mean, you have to have some degree of flexibility. Um, otherwise, it's just very, very difficult to function in the world but you know at the same time it's it's totally i think it's a fair it's a very reasonable to expect uh, um employers to not have unnecessary changes changes in their routine or especially when it comes to the sensory stuff as well if it can be avoided yeah avoid it uh or even just you know a case of giving them earplugs sometimes for sensory stuff if it's auditory i don't think it's probably like this is they're probably definitely not written by her because it doesn't, it's not her sort of rhetoric. It's probably written by one of her policy advisors, which most things are these days. But as I said, there are a lot of positive things in here. It supports transition from um, from childhood to adulthood. It has uh, it devotes more money into autistic research, um, including um, the first ever uh, research into. Autistic adults, actually. Yes. Um, in, well, in in America at least, which is obviously huge. And if that uh, if they actually got off the ground, that would be, of course, you know, ridiculously beneficial and important um, to to, yeah. to be able to collect Mo- stats and strategies and data on um, on autistic adults. Most um, research, of course, is done is done on children because it's seen as the most useful because of psychologists, Freudian lineage. Yes, but but also it's easy to find funding for which which of course feeds into that as well yeah um yeah just think of the children exactly yeah think of the children Mm. um don't think of yeah that that whole whopping like what other 70 percent or something uh part of the population so yeah the fact that this huge blind spot um in autism research in america is um the, the idea of someone coming along to this huge blind spot with like a little a little torch and just shining a little bit of a circle of light and slowly starting to illuminate it is um, is encouraging. I will admit, yes. <laughs> it's a very artistic way of uh, of saying it. I I just I just reckon it's very yeah. I do, I do like the fact that that such research is finally going to happen. Yes. Um, especially inside America because they are the technologic they're technologically ahead of everybody or almost <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're they're up there. Yes. They're up there. So exactly. The yeah. fact that they're doing it is very well. The fact that they could even be doing it uh, is is certainly great news. And what is also great news is that if you control F search, um, this whole document containing the plan, um, you won't turn up uh, the if you're entering if you type in cure, you're not going to get any results. 
Yes. Which is there is there is no talk of a cure. No, there is talk of genetic markers, which no can lead to things like a cure. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it it depends on how that information is used. Um, genetic markers, prenatal screening. I mean, you know, it it, it can actually be used if if it's used to support the child then the person with autism then great but of course it can be used for a whole lot of other things knowledge is power and all of that I believe that because of the sort of just like the 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 laying out of the documents they just want to find because like as I said the the second part of the research is to find out everybody in the country who has autism yeah so that's them going hey we need to find out all the kids who aren't born yet Mm. who have autism so we can plan ahead but of course you know with great power can be comes great misuse yeah and knowledge is power and, and, and all of that. So we'll, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, first of all, we have to actually see whether this gets off the crown. Let's, mm. um, let's be well, honest. Yeah, as I said, my, my, objections, uh, my objections to Harry Clinton are purely political. Yeah, I, I, would like to, I would like to believe inside this. And I would like to believe that she's doing it out of, out of the goodness of her heart, but I know she isn't. Well, I don't have to believe that. Um, yeah. I just have to, yeah. I, I I would just be happy if it was actually going to be done and done well. That is good no, enough for me. Well, that's the thing. Like, mm. I, I can't think of a single policy that she's ever enacted that hasn't gone completely pear-shaped. Like, mm. even going back to the sort of, like, the 90s, when she was First Lady, uh, she had a healthcare plan that was Hillary Clare care, and it got absolutely choked by... It was... I believe that one of the um, uh, one of the Democratic senators basically said that it was choked out by its own red tape, and it was one of the worst worst worded legislations I've ever seen in my inside my twenty two year career. <laughs> right. uh, so anyway, that doesn't bode well for this. Look, it doesn't. But if someone else in the future does something similar, look, uh, as as I said, um, I don't really think this is going to. I can't see a way that this is going to send us backwards i mean we don't really have very far to go in the oh, back direction there's anyway. there's a lot there's a lot of space to go backwards in terms of horrible stuff there's not a whole lot but there is yeah there is some but I, anyway I, I can't see how how this could send us backwards really yeah and you you can't really go very far back from the, uh, abuse and murder let's be honest um so Anyway, yeah, so uh, if, if this actually does get off the ground somehow, wouldn't that be amazing? And if someone else takes this up in the future, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, but anyway, uh, now we're going to be hearing from Nicola about uh, the tragic case of Caden Clark. Hello, guys. This is Nicola Howe. Today I'll be talking about an incident which may distress some listeners. This segment will discuss death, suicide, and mental health issues. Additionally, for transgender and non-binary people, the segment discusses dead naming and misgendering. If this content sounds too distressing for you, please feel free to fast-forward the podcast to the next, next segment. Caden Clark, an autistic transgender man, was allegedly shot and killed by police in Mesa, Arizona, It was reported by ABC15 that Clark was threatening to kill himself and had a knife in his hand. Police feared for their safety in that situation and shot him. Last year before beginning the transition, Clark, who was still using his feminine name, Danielle Jacobs, 
released a YouTube video of his service dog Samson assisting him during a meltdown. This video quickly became viral. Clark released this video to raise awareness about meltdowns, how to calm down someone who is having a meltdown, especially if they are at risk of self-injury and the roles service dogs can play in helping autistic people who are prone to meltdowns. This video was well shared and sparked a conversation about autism and the importance of service dogs. In addition to this, his mother described Caden Clark as charitable. She told reporters that despite his limited income, he brought two Christmas trees and ornaments on sale to give to low-income families for this upcoming December. This incident is very similar to the case of Courtney Topic, who was fatality by police in New South Wales last year. In this incident, much like Clark, Topic, who was also autistic, was in a state of mental distress. Topic was standing outside a Hungry Jack's, holding a kitchen knife. Officers had used Capricorn spray in order to subdue her, but after she lunged at police, she was shot. Police attempt to revive her, but were unsuccessful. Her family and friends told the Daily Telegraph that she was a shy, unique person who wouldn't hurt a fly, despite her mental distress. I find these incidents very shocking and very sad. I've been hearing a lot of stories like this that happen to trans people, and it just makes me sick to my stomach. In regards to Caden Clark, I feel people should treat anyone within the LGBT community with love, care, and respect in life and death. Something that bothers me is how many of the articles about Caden Clark's death use his old feminine name, his dead name, and misgender him, so they use the she-slash-her pronouns instead of the he-slash-his pronouns. When the media use the wrong name and pronoun for someone, they are dehumanizing them and disrespecting their gender identity. The fact that it's also or that autistic people and people who may be in states of poor mental health are being treated poorly, this is also wrong. And I feel anyone that is a good human being should be treated with love and care. I think that more should be done to teach police how to deal with individuals who are in mental distress or who may be acting in a manner that is out of character, so no more tragedies like this will happen. If this topic has brought up any issues for you, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14, Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800, Beyond Blue on 1300 22 4636, or for LGBT-related calls, Call Q Life on 1-800-184-527. I'm Nicola Howe. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Hi there, it's Julia, and in this segment, I'm going to be fangirling just a little bit over Saga Noren, who is currently my favorite autistic or speculated to be autistic character on TV. Saga is the protagonist of the Swedish-Danish crime show, The Bridge, and that show is currently being played on SBS. It's basically a show about the Swedish and Danish um, police having to work together to solve crimes. There's each series, there's like a, a, a kind of like a serial killer that they have to find. Um, it's really good. I really like the show. So basically Saga is 
an interesting and polarizing character. Um, she is the main character of the bridge, and she kind she it's it's very obvious that she is quite probably autistic. Um, and she yeah she's a very polarizing figure. Um, some people really don't like her in the show. Some people kind of warm up to her. She's a fairly cold character. She's very blunt. She's not particularly friendly. Um, she makes a lot of social sort of mishaps in the show. I think despite that, she's actually a really important character to have on TV. You know, even though she might not be the kind of person that you'd want to be, she she does, there are aspects about her that are actually really important to take note of. So the reason why I'm doing this segment is because I read an article by Sophie Walker. Um, Sophie Walker is from the Women's Equality Party and she is an ambassador of the National Autistic Society. The National Autistic Society is a um, autism group in the UK. And this article basically said that she thinks that her autistic daughter needs a better role model than Saganora, which I agree with and disagree with at the same time. She sort of said that her daughter you know, is friendly and creative and while Saga is a little bit not particularly friendly, why do we want autistic women to be like Saga? And I guess like my first little qualm is why do we look at characters from minority groups and think of them as, okay, they must be a role model? Why is it that every single character might be gay or might be autistic or might be black or whatever must be a squeaky clean character that everyone else can aspire to. I think that's a really concerning ideal to have that role model. But at the same time, as well as her being not really a role model, and I think that the whole idea of having role models is a little bit problematic, um, especially fictional role models. I think that actually Saga Noren, from a neurofeminist standpoint, actually has really important attributes that, you know, pretty much any autistic woman should notice and should actually try to aspire to. And I think it might, the end result might look very different, but I guess at the end of the day, love her or hate her, Saga is an empowered autistic woman. And that in itself is amazing. Autistic women and people who present in a feminine manner who are autistic, we get the the kind of double barrel of one, you need to understand social norms that make literally no sense to you. And two, because you present like a woman or are a woman, you must be kinder and gentler and softer and we have this kind of double whammy of you need to be so uptight about how you behave and how you act and you have to kind of be someone who's gentle and kind all the time it is great to see a character who basically says f that um on tv i think that you know i've definitely had that pressure pressure to be that person who will nurture people all the time when i'm probably not that kind of person and it's kind of good to think to see it and be be like well yeah I don't need to do this another thing that I really like about Saga is and this is probably more of a feminist thing is that they haven't done the autistic asexual trope at all Saga has a lot of casual sex with a lot of characters in this sh in the show but it isn't like in a way that objectifies her 
she doesn't live by like labels of oh you have sex so therefore you x y and z she's just like yep sure whatever and that's also really good so i guess in that sense i think that's really great as well because she isn't waiting around like you know if she wants to to date a guy or whatever she'll actually go and ask him and often in a really blunt way which is quite funny but it's kind of like you know she's in charge she's in charge of her own life and that's great and I think that's also quite quite nice to see I guess what's also good about her is I guess that she is empowered and she fights bad guys which is also a great thing She's not happy all the time. She's not perfect. I don't want to be her, but I'm glad to see her on TV. I think watching her personally makes me feel a little bit more confident and makes me think that, you know, I don't need to necessarily, you know, try to be some perfect kind of person that doesn't exist. I think that's important. So definitely watch it. She's she's a polarizing figure. You might not like her at all. But um, we, we shared on our Facebook page um, a little YouTube video because she has a little thing where she will say her name and where she works um, whenever anyone calls her. And it's quite funny because she says it like 50 times throughout like three series. So that's great. Anyway, so that was my little fangirl session. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely listen. Um, definitely watch the bridge if you have time. See you later. So we've had a uh, very interesting show today, haven't we? We have we've, indeed. A very rigorous discussion. We've, we've talked uh, about policy, which is hmm. my jam, or rather <laughs> politics, rather. Hmm. Mm. And I uh, and I have also talked about policy and about um, blind spots and torches and things like that. Yes. Blind spots and torches, Jesus. Oh, right, yes, we did. Mm. Uh, yeah, anyway, this is, of course, our first show. Uh, so, yes, year. thank you for joining us again for the beginning of this year. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on Omni, thank you. Um, and If you're listening to us on Sin, that's also fine. Yes, uh, and if you're listening to us on iTunes, that is even better. So, thank you. But thank you very much. Um, you've been with myself, Christian, and myself, Cal. Uh, remember that we we have a we have a Facebook page, we have Twitter, we have WordPress, and uh, if you would like to contribute, uh, send us a message. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Indeed. Uh, anyway, that's the first show for 2016. So Woo. we'll see you uh, next fortnight. Yes. This has been Great Mike 